and welcome to this week's episode of the Horrible Things Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about true crime, about disasters that are man-made, and basically everything that makes you just cringe. <laughs> I'm Emma Sexton, and I'm the host of this podcast, and today I am joined by... What's up? It's Owie again. Yay! Owie was on the last episode. If you um, are coming back from that last episode, then hello. It's like no time has passed. <laughs> For us, it's been oh, like yeah. two weeks. So we're we're going to have to do a little recap. But if you guys haven't listened to part one, listen to part one of this episode mm-hmm. because it will make it so much Just less. Just go confusing. back in there. <laughs> it's only 45 minutes. You can do it. It's fine. If we can talk it, you can listen. <laughs> yeah, it's not like anybody's doing anything right now. So ain't that the truth, honestly. Mm-hmm. How was your weekend? It was Mother's Day weekend. Did you do anything oh, yeah. fun? Uh, yeah, you know, just, uh, every year kind of like we do a little like thing where we just like get whatever my mom wants for lunch. She got like a whole like sushi bowl type of thing. Oh, and then like, I was like really busy with work, like the entirety, but my dad was just like, all right, let's do this. And he cooked an entire meal for us. He never, ever does that. But I was really excited about that. He made like bacon wrapped asparagus and that was like, Ooh bomb so can both your parents cook yeah well my mother like my mother mainly cooks my dad technically can cook but he just refuses to (laughs) my mom is literally such a good cook she's an amazing baker which is really bad because like in if you're ever trying to go on a diet or anything my mom's like whipping up the fresh made cookies and stuff like that it's like impossible to lose weight in my house but uh my dad literally the only thing he can make is french toast like it is hilarious but he (laughs) he makes a mean french toast but everything else like my mom always tells stories of when they first got married she was like no we're gonna split it equally because like that's fair and we're not about you know like saying I have to cook all the meals whatever and he was like fine and his first couple meals were just so atrocious that she was like okay never mind you'll just do the dishes like he would make chicken and it would be like raw on the inside oh my god and I'm just like no yeah that that's truly disgusting like (laughs) I'm glad you took over mom oh my god but some people like it's so nice to get a lot of sweets around the house though it is honestly it's so bad like every time people come over to my house they're like oh my gosh you guys have so many like dessert foods and stuff like that and I'm like I know it's so good for a while until you're like okay I don't walk that much anymore because I'm in quarantine now and Mm -hmm. all I'm eating is cookies every single day so it's been both good and bad Mm-hmm. I mean, what else can you do, you know? Yeah. I feel like, where where do you work? I didn't know you were working. Well, okay. Uh, I used to work in Pound Valley, but um, I was like an intern for, uh, for a local business. But um, I kind of got laid off from that. So I was, when I said working, I just meant like a lot of homework and stuff. But, you know, because I'm like, um, like the second to last week from school for school yeah like because like you like next week for me is like finals week so just you know cram and all of that stuff and it's your last week at this college right oh yeah it is super weird to acknowledge that because I'm transferring to a four-year in the fall but like this is um like I didn't realize like the last time I was going to be on the community college campus like I didn't know it was the last day that actually like I'll ever be there so it's pretty like mind-blowing but you know it is what it is and you know it just situations are just really weird right now so yeah just doing the best we can I know that last time we were talking about I feel like it was maybe last time possibly the episode before but I was like you know, I feel like every single week there's just a new level of crazy that happens. You know, mm. it's oh ha- <laughs> just the idea that we're sitting in our classrooms and then five days later we're all quarantined in our homes is crazy. And for us, especially living in Huntington Beach, I feel like that really came true because I didn't do an episode of the podcast last week because uh, I usually take like a small break around finals just so I can like focus on that. But mm-hmm. So I didn't put out an episode last week and 
I feel like all hell broke loose over the past two weeks while I while I wasn't around to update everyone on the pod, but it has been so crazy in our city for the past like two weeks. It's been insane. Yeah, it's really wild. Like I'm like getting really overwhelmed with like looking at the news recently because like every single day, like you know, a protest happens or whatever happened, like major event happens and I'm like ah there's like sensory overload and it's like really overwhelming to like look at all this especially because it's so negative you know yeah and like especially Huntington Beach when it's just like right there you know 10 minutes down you know main street like you'll see it and it's crazy yeah for those of you guys who either don't live in the United States or don't live in California basically uh we are all in lockdown supposed to stay in our homes, but we've had the beach open and some other areas open. Like there's a park near my house that's still open for recreational purposes, just so people can like walk around and stuff. But then well, two weeks ago, last week, I don't know, recently, yeah, um, our governor shut the beaches in our county and uh, we're in Orange County. So the beaches in our city were closed. And then basically there was just like a huge protest right seriously like 10 minutes away from our from my house and you live really close to me so Mm -hmm. there were giant protests down by the beach and insane crowds just 10 minutes away from us and our city was all over the news and people were getting canceled on twitter left and right and it was just oh yeah oh my gosh that was that was absolutely insane. Oh dear God. I yeah, saw you tweeting no. about that. I I oh. <laughs> I saw yeah. all your tweets and stuff. I was just looking at it and I was kind of like because obviously I know some of the, some of our friends got canceled on Twitter recently, mm-hmm. which is crazy to say, but also a little bit funny. Um, I feel bad for them getting like hate. I don't think they should get death threats or anything, but at the same That's time, kind like, of extreme. Yeah, but like gotta you take know, responsibility. There are consequences to your actions sometimes. So yeah, I it it's totally crazy. I just tweeted about it and I was like, it's a good day to be a broadcast journalism student in Huntington mm-hmm. Beach because oh, yes. really, there's <laughs> been so much. I went downtown in my car windows closed and everything to get some footage for a video I'm making about it and it was more crowded downtown the day after the beaches got closed than it was than it usually is on like a typical summer day here which is crazy because summer is tourist season but oh yeah uh, I don't know it's been absolutely insane so I'm I'm happy to be back on the pod getting some normalcy (laughs) in life because I feel and also there's murder hornets now are you kidding oh yeah I was gonna mention that like where did that come from I feel like that's the cherry on top of the complete you know I'm not gonna say a bad word but it is the Mm -hmm. cherry on top of the cake that has been 2020 the rotting festering cake that has been 2020 like it's it's insane to me that there are now murder hornets in the United States. Um, like, I'm just, ugh, all this stuff, like, what else you're going to give us, huh? Like, 2020, what are you going to hit us with? Like, I'm just, like, surprised. I'm not even, like, surprised at this point. Like, if we see, like, alien invasions coming in sometime. <laughs> the crazy like, thing is that the... Australia fires and the World War Three threat. That was this year. That feels like it was it's 10 years ago. That doesn't feel like it was this decade. Oh and my that was God, a couple yeah. months ago. Time moves differently <laughs> in this year. It really does. <laughs> and like now we're at this point in May and we're just like, I don't even know. Like, I really knew what day it was until like maybe yesterday and I was like, oh, it's going to be Monday. Well, my sleep schedule is like screwed. So like it doesn't really <laughs> matter anymore. I have and, friends who are uh, going to bed at like 3, 4 a.m. And I'm like, you're ooh. never going to recover from that. I hope you know the sleep schedule is going to be screwed for a long time after oh, like yeah. right now. But like, oh, my gosh, I don't think I can like go outside and like socialize with people like once like the stay home orders are like done and like medical professionals say it's okay to go outside. Like, I don't think like I would know how to talk to people anymore. (laughs) I think that it's so interesting because I almost think it's going to be something like 9-11 for us where it's not in terms of um, like the catastrophe aspect of it, like 
obviously very different things, but in the fact that things after are going to be different than they were before, like how airport oh, yeah. security and all that stuff changed after 9-11. I wonder how our culture is going to shift. Like, because now it's to the point where if I'm going through a drive-thru and someone's hand like touches me on accident, I'm like, ah, <laughs> get away from mm-hmm. me. You know, yeah. where I, I start to wonder how is quarantine like changing our society so that it, it's going to be different after, you know, what's going to change? It's, oh, my. It's going to – I know that, like, nothing's ever going to be the same for quite a while, you know? And I think, like, a lot of people will get, like, extra cautious with, like, you know, washing their hands, for example, and being hygienic and all that. But, man, I think, like, uh, you know, in, like, several countries, like, they do – they, like, measure – not measure, my God. They take your temperature and all that whenever you go. Like, like in schools in China, they do that stuff, and, like, they wash down your shoes and stuff. I feel like a little bit of, like, that kind of cautiousness might be implemented into American culture. I'm not too sure. But I think to some degree, like, people will be a little bit, like, more, you know, overwhelmed, but also it's, like, necessary at the same time. Yeah. And even just, I can't imagine, even after the stay-at-home order is lifted, I wonder how long it will be until people feel safe enough to, like, go to a concert or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I just think about how close you're standing to everyone, and it's like, even if the stay-at-home order gets lifted, I don't think people would feel comfortable enough to go do that. Yeah, I feel that. It's very strange. I really wanted to go to that Harry Styles concert in September. I'm gonna cry. (laughs) I'm gonna cry. I had tickets for two of the shows oh really yeah both are gone dead and gone and i also had tickets to go see the lemon twigs like next month and their show got postponed oh lord yeah it's It's gonna be really sad (laughs) alexa play falling oh my (laughs) god it's mm -mm. but tragic i also wanted to let the, the people listening to the podcast know those of you who listen Allie included, because you're one of my earliest and best supporters <laughs> of the podcast. What a true friend. And um, I reference John Mulaney, like, in every single episode, basically. Oh, and <laughs> my birthday was on Monday, and I just want to tell you guys, my little brother Jack, who doesn't listen to the podcast because he's 12 and I don't want to scar him for life, um, mm. He got me a pair of earrings, and the earrings are just John Mulaney's face. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> they are incredible. I'm going to post a picture on the Instagram, so go look at it, at Horrible Things Podcast. But it is seriously the best thing I've ever seen in my life, and honestly, I just feel like I need to start wearing those on every single episode of the podcast. Oh my god, you should. Not it's, that anyone will see, so adorable. but just for me. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm... What time is it? How long have we been talking? We've been talking for like 13 minutes. What's even, what is that? It's time to start. It's time to let's get into it. the let's case. <laughs> uh, so let's see. I wonder if I can give like a 30 second recap. And now you'll have to chime in to let me know if I forget anything. Um, right. Basically, the case that we covered last week, part one, we're talking about the Pink Panthers, which are a crime network slash family that operates out of Europe, but are originally from Eastern Europe. They've stolen like millions of dollars worth of diamonds and jewels and they do it in very interesting ways mission mission impossible three type prosthetics painting benches so that no one can sit and see what's happening in a jewelry store they steal from countries uh from england to japan and they're super notorious interpol is after them but no one's really been able to catch anyone super important because there's like 200 members and they're really good at stealing stuff So where we left off was I had just finished talking about all the different heists they'd done, and we're going to start talking about the trade of how people sell diamonds that are illegal and also the various prison breakouts and things that the group has had over the years because there have actually been multiple prison breakouts and very few arrests. So I think that's where we were. Yeah. Is there anything to add? Okay. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I don't think I'm forgetting anything. Imagine I go back and listen, there's like a huge chunk missing out of the story. <laughs> I'm like, part three, here's the middle. Okay. <laughs> I am very excited. We are 
on page eight out of 15 pages of the notes. And oh, it's girl. time to get going. We, we got a lot to cover here. Okay. So the Pink Panthers, they are originally from Eastern Europe. Fun fact, I am also Eastern European. My grandma oh. was born in Hungary and my grandpa was born in um, Czech Czechoslovakia area. They still called it Czechoslovakia back then. Now it's just Slovakia and Czech. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but oh, that's cool. Back when it was one country. That's where my parents are from or my grandparents are from. So very fun learning. But that being said, don't expect me to pronounce anything <laughs> Eastern European correctly. The Literally the only thing I know how to say in any Eastern European language is grandma in Hungarian because my grandparents both spoke Russian to each other. So that's, oh. I, I still won't be able to pronounce anything right. <laughs> okay. So the Pink Panthers, like we were saying last week, they have really good luck with not being caught. Hardly any of the members get caught. And because of that, they are super notorious in Interpol. And part of the reason that they don't get caught is because in countries like Serbia and Montenegro, the Panthers are protected by the government because they pay off members of the government. So it's a little bit corrupt, what? but basically <laughs> after they commit a heist, they go back to Eastern Europe. They go back to whichever country they're from in that particular job. And the Panthers end up usually only taking about 20 to 30 percent of the profits from the heist because they pay out different people so that they can continue to operate in a way that's safe, I guess you would say, safe for them. Mm -hmm. So part of that is paying off government officials to keep their locations secret. Which is kind of insane. That's some tea right there. <laughs> Hi, I'm here. I'm Emma Sexton, and I'm here to spill the tea on the Serbian government. <laughs> so, <laughs> after they commit the heist, it usually only takes three to four days for them to have cash after the heist. Like I said, they only get about 20 to 30% of what the original value was that they stole. But if you consider they're stealing like $18 million, that's a lot of money. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to talk for a little bit. So when I was researching this, right, I love the crime aspect, but I also love the kind of more nerdy aspect. So I got down the rabbit hole of researching about illegal diamond trade and like the diamond business. And I'm here to let you guys know some facts about the diamond business that will make hearing the rest of what you're about to hear make a lot more sense. Okay. So, um, the diamond business, it is an $81.4 billion a year industry, which obviously I knew there was a lot of money in gems, but I didn't know there was that much money in gems. It is insane. And a lot of that actually comes from the illegal trade of diamonds. So take the Pink Panthers, for oh. instance. Uh, when they get a diamond, when they steal a diamond, they have their own labs where they can bring diamonds and then they get them recut, whether it be one diamond into two smaller diamonds or they take off the outer couple layers of a diamond. They have some, a specialist recut it so it looks like a completely different diamond and they're no longer identifiable as the diamonds that had been stolen from that store. And not only that, but they also have people who... If you sell a diamond, basically you have to have a certificate that goes with the diamond that shows where you got it from and authenticates it so people know that it's not a stolen diamond and it doesn't come from a conflict region or it's not a blood diamond. We'll talk about what that is in a little bit, but they come with these certificates. And so they also have people in the Pink Panthers that's ent their entire job is just to forge diamond passports, basically. And... Okay. Another fun fact is that Americans are actually the number one clients for stolen diamonds, even from the Pink Panthers. Americans tend to buy more diamonds that happen to be stolen than other countries. So here is a little bit more about the actual process of selling diamonds. So diamonds are kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because we always think, oh, diamonds, like that's the height of luxury. If you have gold, diamonds, jewels, like you're rich, basically. But it is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because diamonds aren't really like half as valuable as the price that they sell for because there's actually a huge markup on diamond prices from retailers. So a fun little story I read was about Elizabeth Taylor. She received this $4 million ring from someone 
and uh, it was an engagement ring, I think. And then she tried to sell it and back for four million dollars, and she could only sell it back for two million dollars because it was really only worth two million once it had been bought from a retailer. So basically, they're like half as valuable as the stores sell them for. It's just a markup, which is kind of annoying, but you know, <laughs> that's that's the that's the economy for you. Just frustrating. Anyway, so the markup on these diamonds makes them really difficult to sell because retailers hardly ever buy back a diamond that they've sold because if they bought them back, they wouldn't it would be a bad move for a retailer to buy back a diamond at the price that they sold it because that's just the retail markup price. And if they bought it back, it would kind of reveal the actual price of the stone and that the person overpaid for it. So people that jewelers and people that sell diamonds never really buy back any stones. So once you've bought it, it automatically loses like half its value. Oh, wow. And it's wild. Most of the diamonds that we have um, here and in Europe are come from either South African or uh, yeah, most from South African diamond mines. And there are tons of diamond mines in South Africa. And actually, they estimate that the people who work in the diamond mines steal around 30% total of the diamonds that come out of the mines. And the way that they get the diamonds out of there is by using, A, they'll use homing pigeons, which is crazy, but basically they'll attach a little cradle to a pigeon. And then the diamonds are really small because they're uncut and they're freshly mined. So they'll put the diamonds into this little basket and the pigeon will fly off to their home, which actually happens pretty frequently in South Africa. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then the other way that they often get diamonds out of the diamond mines is people that work there. Uh, There's like one of the rooms where they're cleaning and prepping the diamonds where they lay them all out on the floor and people are like walking through it kind of because you're really you're not going to crush a diamond if you step on it. It's literally the hardest substance in the world. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. people will go into the diamond mines and they'll put glue on the bottom of their shoes so that when they're walking around, they're picking up diamonds on the bottom of their shoes and then they walk out. And the mines try to prevent it because by doing, um, they'll do like x-ray scans when people are leaving, but they can only do it like once in a while because they don't want anyone to get like radiation poisoning from being x-rayed every day. So But actually diamonds, when they go through and like an x-ray machine, they give off like a – and they kind of illuminate. So you would be able to see if somebody had diamonds on them because it would basically leave like a little trail of light if they went through an x-ray. So it's harder to get diamonds out of there, but it's still not that hard because like if you get x-rayed on Thursday and you steal diamonds on Friday, they're not going to x-ray you again on Friday. So it's – fairly easy for people to steal diamonds if they're coming straight out of the mines. But unlike retailers, diamond mines will buy back pretty much all stolen diamonds straight from the mine because then they can control the market price of diamonds. Whereas if these people who stole 30% of the diamonds just cut them themselves and went straight out on the market, it would be like, holy crap, why are there like thousands more diamonds out here right now? And then the prices would drop. But if the mines can just buy the uncut diamonds back then they can still control how many go out on the market at a specific time and keep the price from going too low so really it's like a whole scam (laughs) dude diamond economics right there that is complicated (laughs) there's some facts for you remember that one time that i explained uh radiation poisoning in great detail to people on the podcast oh yeah (laughs) yeah that was that was a mouthful that was (laughs) much more uh rough than explaining this but this is still yeah pretty complicated especially because there is like a huge i guess obviously anytime you're dealing with an 80 billion dollar a year industry there's gonna be lots of kind of shady things going on i feel like oh yeah i mean this whole entire thing is shady (laughs) yeah facts and the diamond industry is honestly no different like there are so many stolen diamonds out on the market you would not believe but There is also a gigantic network set up for finding stolen diamonds. Like, it's honestly probably more competent than finding missing people is finding missing diamonds. Because 
obviously money and it's a lot better for everyone involved who's there legally obviously not for the people who stole the diamonds but it's better for everyone if you can just find the diamond because it costs literally so much money to insure a large diamond like we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars every single month just to insure it right just if it's sitting there you're paying like hundred thousand dollars a month for it and if the diamond gets stolen then it cost the insurance company like millions of dollars. Plus, the person who it got stolen from has their premiums raised on their insurance. So they're paying ev- even more every single month. Like, liter- So it's bad for the person who is insured and it's bad for the insurance company. And it's also bad for jewelers because if a jeweler is found in possession of a stolen diamond, they can have their store closed down. And it's also like really bad for their reputation. Hence why each diamond is supposed to have papers so that it can people can make sure that it's not a stolen diamond so there's a huge network for finding stolen diamonds just because of those reasons like financially if a diamond gets stolen it's pretty much bad for everyone and like i said earlier selling diamonds is really hard so pretty much it's just you have to be like a pink panthers level organization in terms of like being able to cut your own diamonds and make them different and all that in order to actually profit from stealing diamonds. So it's crazy. And another reason, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but there's also something called a blood diamond. Have you ever heard of a blood diamond? I've heard of it. I don't know what it is, though. So a blood diamond is basically a way that people get diamonds that's really questionable. Like a diamond that comes from a... Okay, let me just explain. It's easier if I give examples. So in areas like uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Sierra Leone, I hope I pronounced that right, um, those are pretty much the most likely places that blood diamonds come from. And it basically is just a diamond where you're giving your money to people for the diamond and there's some ethical questions there because like in the Congo – Kids can't go to school because they can't afford it, even government school. And so they go to the mines to mine diamonds. And they literally, in the Congo, they don't even report when diamond mine tunnels collapse because they regularly collapse and kill miners oh, inside wow. of them. And just no one cares. And then in uh, Sierra Leone, there was a really brutal war uh, against Angola, like a super brutal bloody civil war that was financed by people buying uncut diamonds so basically your money was going straight into funding a civil war oh my god in the central african republic there was a government run genocide that was financed by uncut diamonds uh those would be blood diamonds and then in zimbabwe there were uh rebels that came and they took a diamond deposit into their control uh by raping and killing people in zimbabwe And they took that diamond deposit and then sold it. And that like financed their actions basically after that. So diamonds that come from really bad, like where your money is going to things that are really not good. Those are considered blood diamonds. And (laughs) so there's something that was passed in the 2000s, I believe, but it's called the Kimberly process. And that the Kimberly process is basically a law that said, this is why you have to have papers for your diamonds because Um, people found out about what was happening and they were really pissed because they were like, I don't want my money to go toward a genocide. So, and they didn't want to buy from jewelers who were buying uncut diamonds from people who were, you know, doing genocidal things. Mm -hmm. So uh, then they created the Kimberly process so that jewelers could find out if the diamonds came from somewhere that where there were ethically questionable standards for miners and make sure they weren't buying from there. It still doesn't work all the time because people forge papers, but it made it a little better, you know? So people could actively try to avoid financing civil wars. But basically, the diamond trade is, like, really sketchy and kind of concerning. Oh, my God. (laughs) These diamond people, man. Like They are on something. You think about people producing. I think of one of the places where I've heard the most about – oh, sorry. I just hit my water bottle. 
One of the places I've heard the most about like ethically concerning stuff is when you talk about like people producing clothes and things like that, technology even. And you have like kids working when they really shouldn't be or people working under like terrible conditions. And you hear about that a lot when it comes to clothing and items and stuff. But honestly, the diamond business is like just as bad, if not worse then oh, yeah all yeah. and you never hear about it like blood diamonds that's not a commonly known there's a movie about it about the civil war between uh sierra leona and angola but it's still hardly ever talked about and it's like we really have genocides and like people raping and murdering people for diamonds that just never gets talked about and it's like that is insane people are you know you want to be concerned that you're money is going toward things like that so it's it's crazy the the diamond business is just so concerning like so concerning <laughs> and like i said dude. oh my god we about to cancel the diamond industry right now <laughs> dude i'm sorry but like i'm canceling diamonds i hope you guys know diamonds are <laughs> from this day forth not allowed well it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a tough question because it's like on one hand you could just get um synthetic diamonds you know, you could just get synthetic diamonds in our mind. But at the same time, the people who, like, say, the people in the Congo who are working in these freaking horrible conditions, and it's, like, children, literally, like, middle school elementary children working in these mines, do it because they don't have any money. And so if you mm-hmm. stop buying the diamonds, it's just going to put them further into poverty. But they're also working in horrible conditions. So it's, like, sucks because on one hand, you're, like, I don't want to buy diamonds from people that are you know, have terrible labor conditions and are forcing people to work like this. At the same time, you're like, I don't want to make it so that they don't have any source of income. That is, yeah, that's a huge dilemma. That is complicated. (laughs) It is the, it's not the trolley problem, but I'm sure there's some sort of ethical dilemma for it. Yeah. Oh, it's like the one where it's like, do you arrest the person who has to steal baby formula? Oh, yeah. Where it's like, do you, is it okay to kind of be okay with something, even though it's bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Ugh, ethics. I just watched The Good Place, so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> love that show. Kristen Bell is the just the best human. Like, sorry, she oh, yeah. outshines every other person that's ever been alive. <laughs> well, every single sorry. person in that entire cast is like, just, like, really awesome. Yeah, so, so true, so true. But anyway. Diamond trade. Sketchy, not good. You got blood diamonds. You got stolen diamonds. You got um, fake diamonds. That happens all the time because there's other types of minerals that pretty much look exactly like diamonds and people have been known to like swap them out. Say if you go get your diamond repaired, the person might just steal it and swap out with something else. Basically, it's more of a liability than it's worth. Don't buy a gigantic diamond. You will lose money. Like It will look good for like two seconds and then you'll lose money. It's not worth it. So... Basically, even Pink Panther diamonds, another thing I wanted to talk about was in the um, recovery of diamond network is that, did you know diamonds have fingerprints? No, I didn't know that. So when you shoot a laser into a diamond, there's like a specific way that it will look, like how the stone reflects from the laser that they record and each diamond has a different one so it becomes like a fingerprint and they'll also sometimes record what it looks like under an x-ray because that's also unique to each diamond and then occasionally they'll even like a tiny tiny laser will make a little mark of a number into diamonds it's like not noticeable to the naked eye but if you put it under magnifying glass it would make your diamond identifiable Which is honestly just another reason that, like, the fact of the matter is, if you don't have a giant operation where you are cutting diamonds yourself and you have people to sell it and you have people to forge papers, like, just stealing a diamond, it you would get caught, like, immediately. You would just get caught immediately. That's why pretty much the only people... That's why it's much more lucrative to just steal money as opposed to diamonds because you there's Mm -hmm. just nothing you can do. And I think that's why so few people steal diamonds like the amount of money that's been stolen in cash versus in diamonds it's very different because diamonds are so hard to sell so yeah 
just want to give you guys that information, give you that information about diamond trade, diamond selling, so you know what happens. After the Pink Panthers steal all this stuff, it's like they do the whole theft and then their job begins because the next part is like way harder. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So now that we've talked about that, about how they actually sell their diamonds, how they get their money, let's talk about how they get caught because it occasionally happens. And the first thing I want to talk about is in Monaco, police were actually suspected of possible cruelty toward Pink Panther members, like police brutality, because, and honestly, that's a a whole nother thing that I'm going to give a mention about at the end, because police cruelty. It's been a week for that in America. But anyway, Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later. Actually, that wasn't, it was partially, you know, we'll talk about it later. (laughs) So anyway. Uh, in Monaco, they think that the police may have actually been cruel to people because they there's this police officer who was searching for the Pink Panthers in Monaco that told this story where he was like some random driver came out of the woodworks and hit this other car while him and another officer were watching just on the street one night and hit this other car and then that first car that had gotten hit pulled over. And um, when it pulled over, that guy had to, the guy who was in the car that had gotten hit had to go to the hospital. So the police went with him. And then when they were in the hospital, the policeman looked into the, looked at the guy who had gotten hit by the other car. He looked at him and he was like, I know him. And it turned out to be a wanted member of the Pink Panthers. And, and people were like, um, I'm sorry, but the idea of just this random guy coming out and hitting someone who happens to be like one of the most wanted people in Europe is just like absolutely ridiculous. And you are truly making that up. And the police in Monaco said it was completely dumb to think that Monaco had the police in Monaco had employed like tactics that were so brutal that it would put someone in the hospital but honestly like the idea that these police would just happen to be watching as like one of the most wanted criminals gets injured in a car accident is ridiculous so i'm gonna suspect there was probably something else going on there but mm-hmm. yeah that's an example of one of one guy from the pink panthers uh named poznan who was uh last name poznan who was captured in monaco and he was put in jail so in Dubai, there was this member of the Pink Panthers named Glassy, and there's this police officer whose last name was Leja Poja? Question mark. Probably didn't pronounce that right. It's fine. And basically, um, this guy named Glassy, like I said, part of the Pink Panthers, he's going through this hotel lobby when the police officer sees him. And so Glassy drops his suitcase that he was carrying and he starts going, he starts running down the street and he goes to this school um, where he climbs over a super tall fence and starts to hide. And Leja Poja, the police officer, climbs over the fence and actually got hurt. His leg got hurt in the process. But he starts to go and look through the schoolyard to try to find this guy. And I'm just thinking like these poor kids seeing this bloody man running through their school like literally nightmare fuel oh my god so um the police officer gets glassy's mugshot confirmed so he can like fully arrest him and they realize that he's still hiding on the school grounds. so they bring in police dogs and basically oh no i messed up their names sorry guys leja poja i should have known this is the eastern european member of the pink panthers glassy is the <laughs> police officer okay got that clear so he's hiding somewhere on the school grounds they bring in police dogs and eventually, they find this guy, Legipoja. He's hiding under bushes on the school grounds, which is, like, kind of impressive, kind of terrifying. So, Glassy, like, gets ready to arrest him. He pulls up. He pulls up. He, he's got his gun. This other guy is, literally, is, like, injured on his leg. And there, here's a quote from the police officer about his reaction. So, he said, and I quote, He stands up, very confident. His pants open at the leg. He's bleeding. And he says, good job. To the police officer. Like, is that not the coolest line you've ever heard said at an arrest? Like, what? So Good job. That sounds condescending. <laughs> a little bit. So, and the guy that they arrested, Leja Poja, he was actually connected with the Dubai robbery we talked about last time where they drove two Audis into the mall and stole jewels. And he also broke out a member of the Pink Panthers. Uh, he broke him out of jail in Liechtenstein. 
for uh he broke him out of jail for a Lichtenstein robbery. So he was basically already guilty. He went to jail. And then in Serbia, some Pink Panthers in Serbia were um caught in St. Tropez and they were given uh six and ten years for their crimes for robberies. They pretty much only get between five and ten years usually. Uh and then in the Ginza heist, uh, the guy who was part of the Ginza heist was caught in and uh, extradited to Montenegro, and he stood trial in 2012 and also got 10 years in prison. Uh, then in 2009, this is an important one, in Monte Carlo, the French police uh, were able to detain three members of the gang. One member of the Pink Panthers who they detained was named Dragon Mykic. That was so wrong, but just... Oh <laughs> Dra- it might be dragon. Either way, it's, it looks like dragon, and it's really cool. So oh, that's sick. Yeah, <laughs> they see these three guys outside of a jewelry shop in Monaco, and they're like, "Hmm, wolf sauce. We've had some robberies." So then they see these guys drive up to a casino, and they follow them. The French police follow them there, and they're like, "Get down on the ground!" And they handcuff them, take them in, and they realize that they're members of the Pink Panthers. One of the people who was arrested, Dragon. Mikeik, uh, was really important to the police. He is on Interpol's most wanted because they believed he was actually the brain of the Pink Panthers. Literally, uh-huh. like, the guy who puts the heist together, which would also make sense why he was standing outside of a jewelry store. So, he goes to prison, right? He's in a prison in France. And he's arrested pretty much immediately. So, he goes to prison in France. And then, one afternoon, while people are, you know, walking around. This guy's in prison. The other two members are in prison too, but this guy is like the most important one. He's in prison. And then one day outside of this prison, there's a white truck that pulls up to the outside of the gate and two guys get out of the truck and one puts a ladder against the wall of the prison and he goes up to the top and he starts firing at the guard tower, like literally just firing a gun at the guard tower. Then the second guy who was with him There were two more ladders. He chucks one of the ladders over the prison wall. He also chucks a pair of wire cutters over the prison wall. And Dragon was waiting there for it. So he puts the ladder up. He climbs to the top of the wall on the ladder, then uses the wire cutters to cut through the barbed wire, right? Then he once he goes up over that first one, they use they had three ladders, like I said. So he uses the final ladder to go on the other side of the wall. He climbs down. They he gets in the truck. They drive away, and he hasn't been caught since then. Neither had the two so guys that were with gone. him. So he got out of prison, and funnily enough, they know that he must have actually been super important because he's the only member of the Pink Panthers to ever have been broken out of a jail in Western Europe. Because they've broken out of jails in Eastern Europe before, but they don't break people out of Western European jails because it's a lot harder. So he's the only one who'd ever been broken out. And in 2008, he was convicted of all the crimes that he didn't go to trial for because he just wasn't there to stand trial. He was gone. So they assume that he was actually probably a super high level member of the Panthers. And that's why there was such an effort to rescue him. So he was broken out of jail. That makes breaking out of jail sound really easy. Girl, I think it's easier said than done. But like also really genius at the same time. So I can't be mad at it. I mean, they got him out of jail. Like Mm -hmm. it worked. It's a success. (laughs) And then in 2012, another lead figure of the Pink Panthers, this guy named Mitar Marjanovic was uh, arrested in Rome uh, because a month earlier there had been like two people from the Panthers who had robbed a bank and they had dropped some stuff that had uh, Mitar's fingerprints on it. So he was arrested in 2012 and he was also a leading member. But as far as I know, he hasn't been broken out of prison yet. I believe he's still there. And it's he's probably getting out soon if he hasn't been broken out anyway like 10 years um in march of 2012 there were three more pink panthers that were arrested in greece uh serbians they were wearing wigs outside of a jewelry store and that's why they were arrested because that's really really sketch uh Mm -hmm. they got in a fight with the police they were 
there was a police chase and they fired shots at the police, which is one of the reasons why they were actually arrested and sent to a prison um. in Athens. But, however, one of the members of the three who had been arrested at that time uh, named Oliveira, he, in July, he knocked out a guard and stole her keys and then broke him and the two others out of prison, I believe. So, it is also another, like, strangely, you would think it's a lot harder than that to get out of prison way of breaking out of prison. So, that's three more who escaped prison. And then... There was also a guy who was nicknamed Boy Mermet. <laughs> it's like what? French. It's French, so it's that sounds interesting. But in 2013, um, he broke out of a prison in Switzerland and has also not been caught. He was helped by three people who, who got him out of prison, and four prisoners besides him also got out when he was broken out of prison. And um there was also a guy named Milan Poparic. This whole episode is just Emma messing up your Eastern European names. <laughs> and uh, he was a Pink Panther who... Actually, there have been like three Pink Panthers who have escaped out of uh, Swiss prisons. And I just want to imagine that's because there's not that many criminals in Switzerland. <laughs> so that's the prisons true. just aren't equipped for it. But in 2013, uh, two people broke out of prison and in 2000, I believe, nine, someone else broke out of prison in uh, Switzerland who was from the Pink Panthers. So they actually had accomplices who broke through the fences uh, for this one that happened in 2013. There was the one that this guy who got out, Milan, uh, they just broke through the fence of the prison and they brought ladders again. Same with Dragon. They just brought more ladders and then they had ak-47s which i would like to say are definitely not legal in switzerland but that's how they got him out so kind of similar to the other prison breakout but i guess i tell you these stories to let you know that there are like 200 members of the pink panthers and they have done literally millions of dollars worth of deaths but today there's only about 24 members in prison oh so they have a very very low um rate of being caught and a very very high rate of breaking out of prison so i guess it's kind of interesting to me because you know you don't want to root for the bad guy but at the same time it's just so badass you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's, it's fascinating it's super badass it's super fascinating to think about these people that are almost like a criminal family that break each other out of prison and hardly ever get caught and use disguises and wigs and drive outies through malls even though, A, I would not want to be there because it is terrifying. <laughs> that that thought is terrifying to me because I feel like if someone's willing to steal diamonds, they're probably willing to hurt you to get them. Scary. Mm. But at the same time, you can't help but almost want them to succeed because it's like an Ocean's Eleven type situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, dude, they're each other's ride or dies. Like, I don't know what loyalty is if that isn't it, you know? Like, oh risking your life. Maybe to, like, get someone out, it's nice. That's maybe, friendship. That's family. I was going to say, maybe the reason this is so appealing to us right now is because it's just friendship and trust and loyalty mm-hmm. between these people. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially can we can't even, like, get contact with anybody else. But, like, they're willing to just – they're willing to risk their lives for each other. Like, yeah, that's what we need. It's that's super need. interesting. It reminds me of the – um. have you ever – looked up anything about like the crime families of new york in the i believe it was like the 40s no i I don't know so basically there were these fam like the mob basically there were these family Mm -hmm. crime families in new york that kind of were their own gangs but they were often comprised where the head people were all like family members and it was pretty much all family members so they were criminals and they were like really shady people. I'm not going to call out anything in particular because some of them are still active and that scares me a little. But Ooh. it's they weren't like good people in particular. But there's something so interesting about researching about them because I feel like when you're looking at p- criminals and people who do these horrible things, you're not always expecting them to be like loyal and trusting to the people that are in their circle. And there's something so fascinating about that. I think that attracts us all to this kind of story where you want to hear about, you want to watch Ocean's 8, you want to watch Mission Impossible, you want to watch, I mean, Mission Impossible is a little different, but 
we watch all these heist movies and it's like there's something so interesting of wanting to believe that these people are still like somehow the good guys you know what i mean yeah because they're they're stealing from the good guys (laughs) yeah it's it's so fascinating and especially the pink panthers because they don't they have an anti-violence policy so it makes it hard to not think they're kind of cool yeah but again theft bad not a fan yeah exactly and i feel like i would be pissed if someone stole my stuff i feel like maybe i'd be a little bit harsher if i ever had a diamond stolen or something not that Mm -hmm. i would ever buy one guys i'm serious if you take away one thing from this episode take away that diamonds are a terrible investment and they're really sketch if anything just go for like a different type of gem uh, something else gold look it up It's just diamonds yeah. are a bad diamonds are not a girl's best friend. They they will drain your bank account trying to pay for insurance. So there you go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much as of today. Like I said, there's 24 members in prison. They're still active today, still stealing stuff. Their last big heist was, I believe, in 2016 or 2018. Uh, they're still active, still with around 200 members. And that is the story so far as it has unfolded of the Pink Panthers criminal network slash family wow that was a lot to take in (laughs) (laughs) what do you think about it like just about them i guess in general just from hearing that i mean like i think it's pretty wild but also i can imagine that it's like it's comprised of like a lot of intelligent people obviously you know and like other the other thing about like how they're each other's ride or die it's kind of fascinating to like you know think about like oh those kinds of people exist in this world you know but also theft bad yeah don't do crime crime bad yeah but it's also just like really cool to see like it feels like something that comes out of a movie Mm -hmm. so it's just like wild to know that these things really exist so a lot of the time when I pick these cases, it's because I read them and I'm like, oh, that that's like a screenplay, you know, like that's a movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that especially doing the heists, which are, you know, it's kind of sad to say are about the most lighthearted I get on the podcast. Doing the heists, I find it more interesting to do stuff that you would think would never happen in real life. Because mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of the opposite side of the coin of the crime coin where it's like murder. You think about it and you think someone could do it but like you just don't want to picture it or think about it because it's just so horrible you could never picture yourself doing it or anything like that so it almost feels imaginary out of a movie and hearing about it in real life is like why you like to i like to listen to it at least and then the heists it's you can picture stuff getting stolen i mean we hear about stuff getting stolen you know people shoplifting whatever and so then it's more fun to look into the ones that happen in real life but that seem like a movie like, at least to me, yeah. that it's much more fascinating than, like, you know, a house burglary or something like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. it's interesting. Two different sides of the crime coin. Mm-hmm. Kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum, but also, like, equally cool. Yeah. It's very... It's strange. I've been seeing so many memes about true crime. Like, so many of my friends, shout out my friends, Michaela and Oscar who recently started listening to the podcast and they were like, you know, I didn't really think, well, at least Michaela, I know she listened to some other true crime stuff because like what girl doesn't, but my friend Oscar, he was like, I didn't think I would be like into the whole true crime thing. And then I started and now I just can't stop. It's just so fascinating to listen to. And I think it really brought me back to, there is some, we are all a little strange because we're all so fascinated with the crap that all of us are like, oh, that sucks. That's a super, super crappy thing to do. But tell mm. me more. <laughs> and it's just so yeah. interesting. It's so strange but interesting that we're all freaks. That's true, honestly. Because, like, you can't look away from it, you know? Like, you see somebody, like, even if it's not, like, true crime. Like, if it's, like, I don't know, shows, like, American Horror Story or something. Yeah, true. You know? Like, you'll see somebody getting killed or, like, getting their organs ripped or something. It's so disgusting. But also, like, I can't stop watching it because it's, like, so out of the ordinary. And, like, you want to experience that kind of, like, adrenaline rush or yeah. the fear, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of – it's the um, biggest evil of humanity. And I think we're attracted to the drama of, like, mm-hmm. the, the biggest things that can happen to you. 
Oh, yeah. No. Craziness. Humans are like drama queens all the time. All of us. All of us spilling the tea. All of us mm-hmm. throwing shade. All of us just being extra all the time. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's about it. But- we can't get enough attention. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to move into my favorite segment on the show. What do you think? Oh, yeah. It's happy things. All right. So do you want to go first? Say one good thing that happened last week or one good thing that's going to happen in your week. Just something great. You can go first. I can go first either way. Um, I guess I guess I think I have something for once. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Um, well, so just this over the last weekend, I ordered a Focusrite, uh, Scarlet, which is like an audio interface. You could like plug in like, yes. um, you know, with your quarter inch cable to your guitars and your bass because I want to start like making music more often. And, you know, I just need that foundation, like a piece of technology to do that, you know, because I can't just straight put it through my MacBook and do all that, unfortunately. But I'm excited that it's coming sometime this week, I hope. You know, hopefully the deliveries will get delayed, but I'm really excited for that. I worked really hard in my house to get that money, so. Yes, that's so exciting. I'm excited because I loved your, um, for those of you who don't know, Allie and I were in a music program Uh together in high school, and I loved your songs and stuff. Like, every time I thought your your music is great, so that's super exciting. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Um... So I have I actually have two happy things this week, which I guess you can't right. get enough happy things. But mm-hmm. um, on Monday, it was my birthday. So I turned 19. Yeah. So that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say I got some really cool stuff. But most importantly, uh, my friends, like some of them, my friends from my church and stuff did like a drive by for me, which was super fun. Oh, and nice. more importantly kidding it's not more important but still very importantly I didn't do a cake because I keep realizing as I get older that maybe I'm just like not the biggest fan of cake and instead I had a chocolate fountain that we got last year which is like you can get them pretty cheap on Amazon just letting you guys know but we had a chocolate fountain that we set up and I just like dipped stuff in it all night and that was like my big thing instead of having a cake is I like dipped strawberries and stuff in the chocolate fountain and it was so bomb. And so that was a happy thing because like fruit and chocolate, honestly, to me, is just there's no better combination. Like there's no better mm-hmm. dessert. So that was freaking amazing and delicious. And then my second happy thing is that um, today, actually, so I run uh, for funsies, for exercise, but I'm not like a big runner. I don't do super long distances. I just do it for like health purposes. Mm-hmm. And today, actually, I hit, I've been running since, I think, a little less than a year, maybe like 10 or 11 months. And this morning, I hit uh, 100 cumulative miles that I've run since, since I started running. So it was really, like, cool because when I started, I literally started because I realized that I couldn't run for 10 minutes without having to, like, take a super long pause or, like, walk I would just get destroyed (laughs) and I was like I used to like to run like I used to be pretty good at it so I felt sad about that and so since then I've done like a sprint triathlon I've done like two 5ks so it was it's uh good to be reminded that the hard work does pay off occasionally Mm -hmm. so that was super nice that was pretty fun but I think that those are my happy things for this week we had some good ones short and sweet Mm -hmm. I mean you know, there's not a lot that's going to go on right now. So you got to like appreciate the small things that you have in your life right now. You know, honestly, that's such a good sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Horrible Things. I very much appreciate you. Thank you guys for being so sweet about the fact that I had to take a week off last week. I very much appreciate you. Love you guys very much. And if you want to find the podcast on a week when it's not a Tuesday, you can go ahead and find us on pretty much every single social media at Horrible Things Podcast. You can find us on Patreon. And if you want to help, you know, want to help me out, want to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, please do that because it is very sweet, very helpful. And I look at every single review. So yeah, please do that if you can. But mostly just like thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to 
any of the other episodes you've listened to, when I hear about people listening to the podcast and liking it, it honestly just renews my vigor to want to continue in this podcasting adventure. So I appreciate you guys very much. And please feel free to share with your friends and family. Uh, granted, I would say that if you took a wild guess, I would say probably at least 20% of your friends are are interested in this stuff and just don't know it yet. So give them the gift of true crime in their life. And oh, yeah. <laughs> most importantly, I just want to tell you guys that if you name your kid Dragon, they're just going to grow up to be a criminal. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and also find some friends who will break you out of prison. But most importantly, guys, don't do, don't do horrible, horrible things. things. Thank you.